The following is a special edition of Rick Flynn Presents. You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn Presents. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Thank you, everyone, and what a wonderful, wonderful show we have planned for you today. I can't be more excited than to tell you who my guest is. A lot of you have read. You already know who's here. I am so excited to have RIAA gold record performing artists, not only in the secular world, but also in the gospel world. I love this woman. It's a legendary Shirley Murdoch in the house. Shirley, say hi. Hi, Rick. How are you? Very good. I used to watch a show on TV. I know you know all about it. It's called MASH. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you see where I'm going already or don't you I know? I see where you're going. I see you going, Jake. With that, I know exactly where you're going. All right. That what is, is the character? <laughs> what is, who is the character, Shirley, on MASH? I'm going. Was his name Jamie? His name in real life was Jamie Farr. Right. On the show, his name was Klinger. Klinger, Corporal Klinger. Corporal Klinger. And Corporal Klinger on MASH, the 4077, he wore this baseball hat, and it was a real hat. It was an authentic hat because I had been to that city, and I had actually attended a game with a farm club for a baseball team, I believe, out of Detroit, one of their farm leagues, called Mm -hmm. the Toledo Mud Hens. Mud Hens. <laughs> we can go way back to the millions, yes. And we also talked about Tony Paco's hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about those. <laughs> But I know that up in Toledo, Ohio, they take their farm league baseball as seriously as they do in Dayton when the Dayton Dragons play. Am I right? That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right. Shirley, I love you to death. I know that good things come out of Toledo, Ohio. Only one of them is the Toledo Mud Hens. You are just as popular and just as successful as they are. Oh, bless your heart. All righty. I want to take you back, girlfriend. August 24th, 1985. I'll bet you that either rings a bell in your mind or it does not. Well, I know you scared me, Rick, because you know too much. You remember too much. So help me out. I, you want the truth? The truth is, I didn't remember diddly about that date until I went down to the bank. I went to the safety deposit box. I opened it up. I got out a recording of a date, and I wrote the date down because it was on that date, August 24th, 1985, where the very first Shirley Murdoch concert where you came out and gave your debut concert, and who was there producing the video and filming it? I'll give you three guesses, and the first two, Shirley, they don't count. (laughs) So I'm filming it. Filming, I I know who was there. I know Roger Troutman was there. Oh, he was running the sound. Uh, 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 Okay, maybe Lester might have been running the sound. Yeah, and Roger was standing next to him. 
I think maybe Loretta might have been shooting the video. Is that possible? No, that's not possible. No, you're possible. you're talking to the man that was running the video. It was you. Oh, was you, Rick? And you know what? We met before that, didn't we? Well, we did. We met in a limousine. It was the craziest story because I used to go up to Troutman Sound Labs, which was, uh, of course, they. Well, actually, to be honest, Shirley, I think you probably know. I used to assist Roger and spend time with him before the Sound Labs was ever built. He used to record the Zap records at a place in Cincinnati, right downtown. It was called Fifth Floor Recording. Do you remember that? I, you know, I was not there for that, but I know the history of it because I remember times when we would go down to um, to um, go down to pick up equipment because you know the Troutman brothers. We were our group. We were all self sufficient. You know, we did our sound and our lights, and we would go and get. Uh, get like the nets for the lighting and all that and they talk about fifth floor so i know definitely know that fifth floor played a major role in the in the making of the of the zap records absolutely so you're absolutely right rick oh absolutely i used to spend time there prince recorded there when he was in town he used to park his bus down there and he preferred to stay in the bus and sleep there in lieu of the hotel room that he already had prince loved to record as you as you i'm sure you know but so, so did roger Oh, Roger, Roger could stay in the studio all night long. There were times when I stayed in the studio all night long with him. I might go up under the grand piano and take a nap, but I would be with him in those sessions, whether I had a session or not, because I found myself in the midst of a, of a, of a musical genius, just a wonderful person who taught me so much about music, about recording, because he found me straight out of church. But you can, I'm going to pass it, pass it back, back to you now, right? <laughs> no, Shirley, I just want people to know it was up at the fifth floor studios where I first met uh, well actually you weren't there but I first experienced Roger in an actual recording studio situation Mm -hmm. I know when I was a drummer playing opposite him we had a house gig and he would play at the club across the street with Roger and the human body Right. Now, at that time, he had what is known in the business as a homemade record album. You remember Mm -hmm. that? He recorded it with Roger and the Human Body. I remember that. Uh, I wasn't. I met Roger in nineteen eighty. Let's see, nineteen eighty-two is when I met Roger. But when I came to the company, you know, to uh, to Troutman Enterprises, and I learned a lot about their history because, you know, being on the road, you know, riding in the in the vehicles, going across the country, I got to just hear all those stories. So I know you're telling the truth, Rick. Well, I'll tell you what. One day after the Troutman uh, Enterprises Incorporated built their own studio, and boy, that thing was, it was beautiful, wasn't it? Absolutely. And unlike the fifth floor recording that had a manual board, meaning that if you wanted the the knobs on the board to move, you had to physically touch them and move them with your hands. Yes, they had a Neve. Yeah, he had a Neve, N-E-V-E. Yes, it's automated. (laughs) And I went there and I saw, and they said, watch this. And all of the potentiometers, those sliders, they yes. started moving by themselves. Yes. Up and down, wasn't that crazy? I, 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 you know what, Shirley, to be honest, I still haven't figured out how the damn thing works. <laughs> Excuse my French. It confused me. I don't know how. The Neve Company, I do know, Shirley, they had to fly a man in to Dayton, and this is true, to teach Roger and and the staff there how to use the mixing board. It was so new, yes, that technology. Right, exactly. And I just remember that one day I had gotten a call or I had called in because anytime I was up there to work in the studio with Roger, I had to book myself in. I didn't just mm-hmm. walk in off the street. Mm-hmm. So I called the day before and I said, would it be all right? Can I come up on such and such a day? And the secretary said, why? I'll put you through to uh, Shirley's manager which indeed he would take my calls always. I spoke to him. He said, come on right up. We'll be waiting for you. And I, I got there the next day. I show up and they say, oh, Rick, Rick, hold, hold on, hold on. You're going over there in, in the limousine. 
I said, I am? Yes. Yeah, just go with Bentley. And you know who Bentley was. And then he was a limo driver. He was the limo driver. Yes, and, and he was also Roger's security. Oh, I did. I didn't. I didn't know that because <laughs> there was never any security around when I was with Roger. Uh, you no, know, no, no. And I mean, it, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. He just always just you know he 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 never pushed people away or anything like that. He just was always there to make sure that Roger was okay. I'm going to tell you, just as an aside, Shirley, you know what some of Roger's best times were when he would leave the entertain the complex of Troutman uh, Enterprises, and he would go to the Dayton Mall mm-hmm. and walk <laughs> around, and people yeah, would come that. up. He was approachable, was he not? Absolutely. Or after a, a session or need to take a break, there was a convenience store right right down on Salem. And he'd go in there and he had this boom box back then, listening to a mix and bopping his head and getting a cup of coffee. Or go right across the street to the gas station. Or there was a, a Lee's famous recipe right on the right, right catacorner to the studio. And, you know, we go, we called it the chicken house. So, you know, we were, we were always very, very um, open and touchable and accessible. And that's one of the things that Roger really admonished me to, to, to do and to be uh, with my records were on top of the charts. He told me that it's so important to stay touchable to the people that they were supporting for the rest of your life. And I saw him do that. And I've maintained that in my life and in my career. I go to the grocery store. I pump my own gas. You know, I bag my own groceries, you know. And I see people and, and, and they talk to you. They were, they were, they were, if, if you have like a, a, a big entourage around you pushing the people off I think that's crazy because these are the same people, Rick, who support you in your career to help you to do what you get up and do every day of your life, the things that you love to do. So you have to be available. You have to be available to sign the autographs, take the pictures, and they appreciate that. If you're nervous and you're doing all kinds of crazy things and having people push them away, why would I push away the people who have supported me all of my life, all of my career? So I, that's something I learned by example from Roger, and I live by it to this very day. And I'll tell you what, his dad, Rufus, would preach that to him. Make Mm -hmm. yourself available to the people. Absolutely. But surely, I just wanted to say that on that day when they said, get in that limousine, I got in there and I had no idea what was going to happen, where I was going. I just knew they wouldn't tell me. I knew that at the end of the trip, either I was going to meet up with Roger or I was going to meet up with his uh, older brother or something was going to happen. I thought maybe perhaps they were at a meeting or a private uh, event where they wanted me to, to do like I had done before and give a speech about the group or I didn't know what was happening. Surprise! (laughs) Surprise! And then halfway through the trip, this trip stopped, and we went through this residential neighborhood. And Bentley stops the limousine. A young lady comes out. He opens the door. The young lady gets in and sits on the other end of the limo. And it was earlier in the morning. I'm not a morning person, especially if you consider the fact that I had to work at the nightclub DJing until two in the morning. And I usually don't get into bed till three. And this was probably 10 a.m. or so in the morning. I was just waking up. The young lady that got in, I knew, I didn't know who it was. I had no idea. I knew it couldn't be you because Shirley Murdoch had blonde hair, number one. Shirley Murdoch had braids in her hair that were long that went past her shoulders. She had long blonde hair at that time. So I knew it wasn't Shirley Murdoch. This girl had short black hair and it was pitch black hair and there were no braids and it was very short. And so I just continued on and lo and behold, we continued our trip and the trip ended up at your manager's brand new home. And the girl in the limo stayed there. She didn't get out. And Bentley opened the door on my side and said, come on. And I got out and I was given a tour of Larry's brand new home which, by the way, I know that you had seen it. It was it was quite the pad, wasn't it? <laughs> beautiful, beautiful pad. And I'm going to end right there other than to say that 
we took the limo back to the studio and we started working later on because Larry was expecting some tapes that I had done in Cincinnati on video. And of course, we had no home VCRs in people's homes at that time. No, not then, not then, not, no, then. <laughs> not then. Not I had to to go to a professional TV studio yeah. and do that. Right. Right. So he was waiting because he wanted to see what the tapes were. And that's why he had sent the limo to bring me to his new home. A, to show me around. And it was a beautiful pad. But B, he needed those tapes. And I came across you, Shirley, and I cannot remember. This is where my mind gets foggy at this point. A, I either ran across you at Roger's homegoing funeral, or number two, I ran across you at the actual Zap concert that they had outdoors in Hamilton at that brand new sports arena or that new musical venue they put on the river where Zap played. I, I was at both. It could have been both. Uh, I, it I was also, both. I also remember, and I remember, um, you, you, again, you were at that Jerry's concert, my debut concert. And what was that date again? Because I'm going to write that down so I won't forget. The date, <laughs> the date was August 24th, uh-huh. 1985. And Shirley, I'm the one that produced the video. I'm the one that has the master tape. Now, believe this, Shirley. It's not on VHS. It's on beta. Oh, goodness. Because in the limousines, in both of the limousines, do you remember what kind of video recorders were in the black and the silver limousine? Yes, I, I, I must confess. I must confess. I remember beta. They were beta. Oh, man, I, I remember that. <laughs> I have the, the original. <laughs> the original beta you tape. You can't hold it. <laughs> oh, there you go. August 24th, 1985. Wow. And so I saw you at one of those two events that I just mm-hmm. described, and I said, Shirley, it is finally, finally nice to be able to shake your hand and to meet you formally. I had seen you around, but I've never really met you. You looked at me and you said, Rick, yeah, do you remember taking a limo ride to Larry's home <laughs> from Troutman? And I said, yes, I remember that. I remember that. I'm the girl that got in the limo with you and rode with you, Rick. I said, no, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. That girl did not have blonde hair. That girl did not have braids. She said, Rick, that girl was me. And one thing about a black girl, we would change our hair every time. (laughs) Now, if there's one thing that you taught me, Shirley, you taught me that you girls can change up in in, in a wink of an eye. That's right. That's right. We can do that. Oh, I'm telling you what. And then from there, you were, I had information given to me that was wrong because there was a rumor floating around that this new gal that Troutman Enterprises had hired to sing was a gal that came out of the church, which is actually true, but I interpreted that to mean that you had worked at the church, which turned out not to be true. Is that correct? Well, let's put it like this. I grew up in church, singing in the choir, but by the time I got to Roger, I was I was ministering with a crusade team called Tetric, and it's for the end-time revival evangelistic crusade. So we went all over the country, you know, doing ministry in churches, and we recorded the services so that the people could have it and play it back and bless other people. And so in the interim... We did a concert uh, back at home in Toledo, uh, a crusade in Toledo at a church, and the theme of that particular uh, revival was called Jesus is Love. So we adopted the Commodore song, uh, Jesus is Love, and so it was one of the songs that I sang before the preacher got up to speak. And so, like I said, they recorded it, and my mom had a, a copy of it, and I had a cousin who worked for Tropic Enterprises who came to visit our family in Toledo, and she let Jill hear it. Jill took a copy back and let Larry and Roger hear it. And so they were like, who is this girl? And then she wanted to make records. So my family was so excited, Rick, when I got home. Roger, Trouben, is that? They wouldn't help you make records. And I'm like, 
who was Roger and what's a zap? Because <laughs> I was really more into gospel music. It's not like I didn't hear secular music, but um, I might have heard a song on the radio but did not know which group to, you know, say, well, that, oh, that's such and such a group, or that's such and such a group. You know, I was into Aretha Franklin and Gladys Knight and all those, you know, the singers and things like that. About, I heard, of, I remember hearing, uh, when I was growing up, I knew about, uh, I knew about the Ohio players, but I, I just wasn't familiar with Zap. I, I might have heard a song on the radio, but I, I did not know Roger, and I did not know the group Zap. So I, I, we set a meeting for me to come and talk to them. And my, my older sister and I went, we drove from Toledo to Dayton and met at Shopman Enterprises, talked to Larry and Roger, and I was telling them, hey, you know, well, thank you, but no thank you, because I want to sing gospel. And they were telling me they didn't have any connections in gospel, but, uh, and I was, well, well, thank you, but no thank you. But, but, if they, but they said, if you ever, ever, if, if you ever decide to give this a, ch- a chance, we want to help you. So I left there, Rick, you know, like, oh God, you know, I've always wanted to sing gospel. Um, is, is this you? Should I be doing this? And I was scratching my head. It's like, why is this the only door that's opening? I've been singing gospel all this time and the doors never open. So I just, just to, just to be honest, I walked by faith through the door that, that was open and, uh, and the rest is history. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that was a phenomenal experience for you to come out like that. And within no time, you were in the top 10 with that single of yours, As We Lay, which the whole country knows about. But then it was it, it was short-lived, I think, in the secular community, because what did it last? Maybe three years or so? And then you went to gospel. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to help you out there. Yeah, go <laughs> okay. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Prior to even my record coming out, Roger said to me, because I, was, I, was, I got my record deal, and then um, I would commute back and forth from Toledo to Dayton to work on songs and to, to, to get a demo together so he could sign a record company. And so while I was going back and forth, I got my record deal while I was still living in Toledo. I remember uh, Larry gave me a call, who was my manager as well. He said, um... Sure, you got your record deal. You're on, you're on Electro Records, and I was floored, you know, because this is like a dream come true. You know, for a young singer coming up, you know, who's gifted, and you want to share your gift with the world. And so, uh, but one day, Roger called me because I'd been commuting back and forth, working on music, not only working on uh, my music, but working on other projects that he had. We worked with Sugarfoot, we worked with uh, 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 New Horizons, we worked with um, Shelly uh, Shelly Smith. Um, uh, Bad Bobby from 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 uh from from Zap. Bad Bobby Glover. We worked on a lot of music that Roger produced. But one day he called me and said, "Shirley, if we're gonna finish your record, I need you to move to Dayton." He said, "Now you you're used to singing in church, but I've got to teach you how to sing in the studio." And I so I came, you know, and 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 Roger taught me so much because you know, in, in singing uh, in church in the choir is real free flowing, but in in studio you got to learn how to sing in the pocket. And Roger showed his sister how to rock that pocket between the foot and the snare. You know what I'm talking. I know everything about it. He used to, he had, he was a genius behind that console. I'm going to tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And so he taught me so much. And so in the interim, you know, I, he asked me if I would go out and, and sing background for him with that, which was a great opportunity, you know, for a, a young artist getting ready to go out. And I can learn from the best. You know, this is good practice. I can watch him and learn from him. So I went out and, and I sang in Zap. And, and so I was out there with uh, with the whole Zap band. And, and then he had... Uh, he had a horn player by the name of Larry Hatcher, who was a part of, of, of the group. He had uh, Ray Davis from P-Funk, you know, bow, wow, wow, you be, you be, you that deep voice of Atomic Dog, Ray Davis, and myself. We made up a subgroup within within Zap and called it the Human Body. So those were opportunities that Roger gave me to go out and do a solo, you know, to, to be seen, to kind of get me used to being on stage. And one of the songs that I used to sing was a song called, I, I did a cover of Let the Music Play. Do you remember that? Oh, that was by yes, Shannon. Shannon. Shannon, now, yes. she was and a local gal, wasn't she? Or am she I wrong? No, not 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 local here in in, in Dayton. She, I think she's out of New York, but she had a really big dance hit called "Let the Music Play." So that was a uh, one of the songs that I did. I was also a part of, the, of like I said, that subgroup Human Body, and, and they had a, a hit song out called "Shake It." So you know, we came out, you know, and did our thing, and then go back and sing background. It was a great big, you know, you know, a, a huge production, just like P-Funk. You know, you got all these singers and horn players and musicians and, and everything. And so out of that, there came a time when when, when Larry said, "Well, show your record." Okay, let me back up. During that time, I was pretty much like Roger's Girl Friday. 
I set up all of Rogers' radio interviews, you know, with radio stations. I knew and I was in communication with uh, all the record reps. So that was really great training because by the time my record actually came out, I'd basically been around the country. I knew the club owners. I knew promoters. I knew the radio, you know, representatives and things like that. So it was just great training for me. And so it got me ready to become an artist, a solo artist. So that's the story. But there came a time when we were out with a big tour called the Body Blast Tour. It has that, that. It had uh, Andre Simone. It had what's the group? Uh, the, the girl, the girl group where they had the uh, um, climax. Uh, uh, Climax meeting in the ladies' room. Yes. And Dougie Fresh. And it was a great big concert. And so during that time, Larry said, "If your your record is getting hot, and I'm going to have to pull you from the group and, and send you out on your own." And let me tell you what Roger did. Roger gave me every member of his group, his brothers, everybody, except my husband, who's my, who's my, who's my boyfriend then, except Dale. He kept Dale and started another group so that I would have the security to go with the people that I knew. Isn't that amazing? That's the amazing Roger Troutman. I'll tell you what, I could go, surely we could both go on for days about that man and the kindness and, and the heart that he had. But he was, in addition to being a, a funk star, quote unquote, what I like most about him is that as we spoke earlier, he would deliberately go to the Dayton Mall just so he could kiss the babies, shake the hands, meet and the people. Like Duck. Yeah, oh, he did that to me. Yes. And then after the concerts, when he made it big and was in the big arena, you'd go upstairs on the upper deck and out in the lobby, they'd have this background for a photographer set up. Mm-hmm, and who's mm-hmm. there snapping photos with the fans? There's Roger. That's right. That's right. He Absolutely. was approachable. He took his Absolutely. daddy's advice. I loved how I loved how he, he did it, and he passed it down as well. Oh, surely. Well, and, and, and the, the 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 that band they still do that. You know, pre COVID, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll be able to return to that again. But that's what we do because we appreciate what the people have done for us because we couldn't do without. First of all, God first, but without the support of the people. How can how can you not take a minute to take a picture with a fan? How can you not take a minute and, and sign an autograph? The people who spend their heart or earn money to go to your concerts and buy your records and and they play your records at home while they're, while they're they're cleaning up on Saturdays or they're, they're uh, you know got, got the headset on listening to your music. If, 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 they, if they bring you into their life like that, how can you not have time for them? You know what I'm saying? I think that some people, to quote. Uh, to quote a phrase, they're full of themselves. I've seen fans, can I get a picture? And they say, no. And I've witnessed this and I walk away. I just, I'm disgusted when I hear it. How can you say that to somebody that you have worked your entire life in this business to get to the point where anybody even wants the photograph with you? Right, right, Oh, right. So we cannot take, we cannot as artists, we cannot take that for granted. Because like, hey, in the urban vernacular, ain't nobody got to want to be bothered with you. Boy, isn't that the truth. <laughs> so, because they do, that's, that, that, that's the least you can do to let them know how much you appreciate how they contributed to your success. That is so right. Now, Shirley, is it fair to say that even though you were with Roger making the secular records, you never really left the field of gospel music. It's just you did that in Toledo at the same time you did the secular records in Dayton. Am I getting somewhere or am I still wrong? You're on the right path. Okay. All right. So, okay, when I started doing the secular records, I promised God, I said, Lord, I will never leave you. I will never forget what you've done for me, and I will always represent light, and I will always represent you and let people know that I love you and what you mean to me. So here we are um, in the studio mixing my very first uh, my very first record, the same record that has As We Lay on there. Uh, and that's a story, too, I can tell you about. But, you know, I, I told Larry, I said, listen, and, and Roger, I said, this song cannot go out without me 
saying something to the Lord. And so, so whether well, you have something, and I wrote a simple song called My Tribute. It simply says, I shall not forget what you've done for me. I shall not forget how you set me free. Everywhere I go, everyone will know that Jesus lives within my soul. Thank you for this time to say what's on my mind. You are everything to me. And we did that in one take. I sang it, my, and, and Dale played it, played the piano in one take, and the record company did not want to have it, but they fought for me because they know that's where my heart was. They knew that that's who I am. And so uh, we got that on there, and then some, some time later, Howard Hewitt came up with a beautiful gospel song called Say Amen. And the Electra, who was, uh, he was on Electra as well, so they put, they put that, they put my record out, my tribute, and his Say Amen, they put it out as a double A side. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. All of my records, I always put something inspirational, a gospel song on all of my records, and that's who I am. Even in my shows, I would, I would do, I would, I would do something. Uh, I would do gospel. I would do something uplifting, and I still to the very day something inspiring. It, it's, it's important, you know. To I love the fact that God has opened the door for me to also meet Bishop T.D. Jakes. That's how I got into the gospel arena, the record end of it. I met Bishop T.D. Jakes because I was singing praise and worship at my church in Monroe, Ohio. Solid Rock Church, and he came to preach a revival. There was a gathering at my pastor's house, and I met him, and we, we spoke. I told him my life, my story, how I always wanted to sing gospel, never had the opportunity. He said, maybe one day we'll get to work together. I got a call from him, and he invited me to be a part of this Woman Thou Art Loose conference, a big, a big, a, a great big conference that he held every year, and like in various cities, uh, in Atlanta, in in, uh, in New Orleans, various places, and I started singing on some of his records. This is still while I was doing secular. I was signing the Warner Brothers to do another record, and he came to me and said, Shirley, you, you said you never had an opportunity to sing gospel. I started a record label, and I'm, here's an opportunity, but you can't do both. So here I am in this position. I've got to make this choice. Do I do I stay with this career that I've built for so long, or do I follow my heart's desire and sing gospel? Rick, I decided to follow my heart's desire and sing gospel. I gave up my secular career to go sing gospel. And so I told Roger about it, and he went and championed that, that release for me. I was released on paper in December of eighty of 1998, and he, he passed away uh, April of, of 99. And he was happy for me. He said, that, this is what, he said, I'm not surprised, baby. This is what you were doing when I met you. And so, but then, but God worked it all around. It gave me my music back. I'm now doing everything. I do gospel. I do R&B. All of my songs are, my mainstream songs are about life. It's about life issues. But I'm able to connect it in a way to, help to not only entertain you, but I can bring this gospel in and, and inspire your spirit. To give you, give you a little something, something to hang on while you're going through rough patches in your life. So, the person that I, I, I can I can look back and see who, who who I witnessed do that was the late great Aretha Franklin, who was my idol. Not only did she sing R&B, but she never forgot her gospel roots. And when she came out with the Amazing Grace album in in, in, in her concerts, you know, Gladys Knight sings she sings uh, inspirational gospel songs in her concerts. Patti LaBelle, all these beautiful women I looked up to, they sing gospel music in their concerts. So they're not afraid to let you know where their heart is and where they come from. So not only do we all want to entertain you, but we want you to walk away inspired. So I just feel so blessed to this very day, Rick, to be able to do that and to have that history. Let me tell you about Bishop T.D. Jakes. Do you know that he is the man credited for discovering uh, Juanita, Miss wow. Bynum? Juanita wow. Bynum, and she has had. Oh yes, oh yes, yes She's had yes. A, a recording career that was extremely successful. At one time, she was, I think, number two on the chart, and the mm-hmm. only other person ahead of her, I swear to you, Shirley, was Beyonce. <laughs> wow. Now, is wow. that a successful career as That's a recording successful. artist or not? That's successful. There you go. You can thank Bishop Jakes for that. He uh, to work with him. That is that is very good, Shirley. I'm I'm delighted to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's, he was very instrumental, and also in uh, bringing me back into the I would say the, the church arena, not only musically, but as far as the body of Christ, as far as the the. the as far as the church itself, because, you know, he, he sanctioned, he, he was the person that would say, hey, she's okay, she's one of us, you know, whereas people, you know, people who just saw me as the Ashley Lay girl, <laughs> that's all they knew was just the, just the music, but, to, but somebody that would know my heart and know where I was in my relationship with God was somebody that could testify and, and witness to that and just say, hey, she's okay, give her a chance. And so, but, and through all that, all those years, I've been able to build up that confidence, you know, with people that I meet who, who don't just trip over the fact that I sang Ashley Lay. 
And a quick story about that. Do we have time for that? Oh, yes, we do. Okay. Okay. So as we lay was not, uh, was, I was not the first person to sing as we lay. As we lay was, I, I remade that. I covered as we lay because it was first done by another group uh, called the human body that was made up of Billy Beck from the Ohio players and, and Ray Davis, who I told you about, uh, from, from P-Funk and Larry Hatcher. He was a horn player for, for, for the horny horns of P-Funk. So they, they actually recorded that record on Bearsville's records. Okay. And Billy Beck, and the lead vocal. And everybody, you know, and, I, and you know, in the Chopman world, Chopman camp, we thought it would be, you know, a hit record because it's like life. People make wrong decisions. People that will sacrifice uh, five minutes of fun for a lifetime of, of, of misery. <laughs> you know, we make choices in life. So as we lay, it's really a song about choice. So when I was approached while we were making uh, my first record to do as we lay, I said, well, I'm never ready to hit, but I have a problem with it because of, uh, because of what I believe. I feel like this situation is, is wrong. The only way that I'll be able to sing this song is if you let me add these lyrics and what I added was we should have counted up the cost but instead we got lost in the second in the minute in the hour as we lay because there's a price tag attached to every decision that you make in life could be mindful to not make a permanent decision based upon a temporary situation this thing might feel good to you right now but there are other people affected people in your life you know the song says I would never want to hurt her she would never understand so it's not a, it was not a celebratory song about infidelity it was a sad song about regret it was a, it's a sad song about hindsight. When the dawn of a new day comes in, darkness is done in the dark. She said, you do your dirt in the dark. But when the light of day came, comes in, she could see, you know, and really realize and to reflect and see that this is not, this is not so much about the two parties who, who decided to engage in this extramarital affair. But it's about, what about the people that you hurt? What about the people who are affected? What if this comes to a divorce and you have children of divorce? And what about the, the blowback from that? You know, what about the, the, the daddy issues that his young daughter might have because daddy couldn't be trusted. Or what about, what, what are you saying to your son? It's okay to cheat on your wife, but not treat your wife with respect. So as we lay, for me, was a song about, a sad song about regret, not a celebratory song of infidelity. But now, now that I'm able to put my gospel music and my R&B music all together, I can minister the story of As We Lay and be able to help somebody. So after As We Lay, you know, if you find yourself in that situation, my next hit was a song called Husband. My desire for you is strong, but I won't do wrong. I'm a lady with class. I know my desire will pass. This will not occur. You're that lady's husband, so I'm letting you go letting you go. So it's to empower people to make right choices, right life choices, right decisions for their lives and the people whose life they affect. Now, I wanted to say, because I've had fans of yours come and approach me and they tried to convince me something, which I don't believe is true and I hope I'm right. They tried to tell me, some of your fans did when I was on the radio, that mm -hmm. the record husband is you speaking to the exact same man who you were speaking to in As We Lay. And I'd no. said, no, that's not <laughs> no, true. No, no. On Husband, <laughs> she's saying, I don't want any parts of this. This is wrong. I'm out of here. Whereas, right, listen, again, again, we have to understand, this is a song telling a story about life. Just like you watch a movie and they're telling a story about life. People are going to glean from and people experience things personally. People experience things vicariously, you know, through what you hear, what you see, what you feel, what you touch, what you, or, or what you've heard. You know, what comes into your ear gates? As we, I didn't write As We Lay, I didn't write Husband. Those songs were given to me to sing. So I put, I put my gift on those songs. Husband was a song to empower anybody, or if, or if a young lady or, or, or a man, anybody who found themselves, this is a song to empower you, to let you know that you have the strength to stand up and to be accounted for. You don't have to stoop to get somebody else's man because you are you are enough by yourself. And, and, and God's not going to bless you with somebody else's husband. A blessing is not going to come that way at the, at the, at the cursing or the, or the, or the, or, of somebody else. So the husband was an impactful song for those who might have gotten the wrong idea about as we lay, it, it would empower you that, no, 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 you, you've got class. Your desire. I'm standing in the place of any woman who might find themselves in that situation, and I'm singing a song to empower her to say, "I'm letting you go, letting you go." Several years ago, I heard you speaking about how the record company, when you first came out, didn't really know what to do with you. No, uh, they didn't. They didn't. But do you know, 
You have to be familiar with the fact that the same exact identical thing happened to Lady Soul, the record company, which was Columbia at that time, Mm -hmm. the second largest record company in the world. They had symphony orchestras back behind her. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know whether to treat her like a Donna Summer or a, or a Barbara Streisand. And it wasn't until Lady Soul went down to Muscle Shoals with the Muscle Shoals sound. And that's when she started doing, uh, uh, you're no good. You're a heartbreaker. I've never it's loved a man dirty. the way that I... I there you go. Yes. <laughs> and R E S P E C T. Tell me what it means to me. <laughs> that surely that was all done down in Muscle Shoals. Yes, 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 yes. That defined her and caused her at that juncture in her life. That's when she became Lady Soul. Mm-hmm. Queen of Soul, Queen of Soul. And surely you have the the low register and the power of Lady Soul, but you've got the high end there of a mini Ripperton. So well, you've all, got it all. You you are one of the best singers out there in R and B. You cover the high end well. You cover the low end well. And just like your teachers in life, you're approachable to your fans and to your people, and you love them. I do. I love. Them. I love them for loving me. I love them for believing. I love them for the support. You know, staying with me whether I have a record out or not. Going back to what Roger said, he said, you know, when Azalea was on the top of the charts, he said, "Baby girl." He said, I need, I, I need to talk to you. He said, and when, when I talked to him, he said, listen, as you live on the top of the charts, you're the best thing. As far as the record company is concerned, you're the best thing since I speak. They're going to name their kids after you. He said, they, they got your poster up. He said, but when that record comes off the charts, they're going to take your poster down, put somebody else's up there, and you'll be lucky if they accept your phone call. He said, this is what you do. You do a great live record. You do a great record. You do and you, and you, and you do a great you do a great a great a great record. You do a great live performance. He said, but here's the key: stay touchable, touchable to the people. They'll support you for the rest of your life, and that's my testimony. <laughs> Amen to what he said because he's right. And I'm going to take you back years before you and I were both born. Your parents would remember this, and it was a movement they had in show business. I know you know about it. It was called uh, vaudeville. Remember that? I'm familiar with Vaudeville, yes. Right. We weren't around to see it, but back in Mm -hmm. Vaudeville, when you got hired, you had to provide the employer, much the same as today, your 8x10 black and white glossy Mm -hmm. publicity photos. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the end of the vaudeville gig, when you, when your time was up, girlfriend, didn't the employer come and hand you your pictures back? Yes. And when you received those publicity photos in your hand, it was curtains. It was on to the next party whose pictures they had up on their dressing room door the next night. That's it. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, Shirley, now that you're in this gospel realm, tell me, uh, you did a song recently. It was about uh, what I love myself better than that or something like I, that. I what is that? that? <laughs> it's called I Love Me Better Than That. And because I, you know, I, I ministered at like uh, women's conferences and I, and, and I would go into like the women's prisons system and minister to those ladies and I just knew that like in these conferences these women these beautiful ladies they look, they look good on the outside but on the inside but I would just say they were tore up from the floor up okay and I just wanted to these uh, people have issues and, and we, we can mask very very well uh, there were women who were going through uh, physical abuse mental abuse emotional abuse and I just wanted to empower people to take back everything that the devil's ever stolen and and I just I just imagined myself because I, I've never been in that, that physical abuse situation Myself, my parents divorced when I was young, so I was I, I, I was familiar with the with the volatile relationships. I've had friends who have been you know um, who who who've gone through physical abuse, but, um, and I just wanted to just empower them. So I use all the, I gleaned from all of those things and wrote a song called I Love Me Better Than That. Then to lay here and cry or to stay here and die, I'm going to get my life back. I know I've made my mistakes, but it's never too late. And it kind of chronalizes, uh, tells the journey of, you know, uh, uh, as I look in the mirror, there's a broken woman that I see. 
broken down by the streets of life's journey, that broken woman is me. So I take me a little ride back down memory lane, past the verbal and the physical abuse and all the drama and the pain. I've got to flee from this crazy situation because it's driving me insane. Now I'm packing up all my broken pieces and the little bit of strength that remains. I love me better than that. And in the event, it says, I want my joy back. I want my peace back. I want my strength back. I want my self-esteem back. I want my keys back. So don't you come back. And it's been a song, an anthem for a lot of women who, who have written me and emailed me and told me just what a blessing it's been for them because it's helped them to reestablish their self-esteem and to, and to, and to, and, and to want to be uh, their, their best self, you know, to be strong and to be vibrant and to, and to live their life and, and not be dependent on somebody else making them happy. But their relationship with God, of knowing that they're fearfully, wonderfully made, knowing that they have value. That's how you take back your strength of knowing who you are and whose you are. That is a phenomenal word of advice to the ladies out there. If they don't have respect for themselves, who is going to have it? Yeah, you can't love anybody until you learn how to love yourself. And that song, uh, it did really well for me in the gospel arena. It was nominated for a Stellar Award. It was also nominated for a Stellar Award. And it also, so it was a blessing. Uh, but I also believe that that message is not just a church message. It's not just a, you know, a just just to be uh, ministered in a church. It's a world message for anybody who's struggling, anybody who has, has been uh, robbed of their joy, of their strength, of their dreams. It's a song to empower and, and to help you to get the strength to take back what belongs to you. Amen, brother. Amen. Oh, girl, I could sit back and listen to you preach all afternoon. I'm telling you, Shirley, when you first began with the band, and I refer to them as such because you know who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Uh-huh. You used to be, I, I remember when you first started that you were a, a member of you were up on stage full time just as a backup singer with the with the, with the other two or three with yeah. you. Yeah. And as, then it as, got as a signed artist. You know something? As a signed artist, I was I, I, I sang background for Zap. I was a member of Zap. Proud yeah. of it. And I'm still a Zapper to this day. Right. Every now and then, every now and then, if, if, if my schedule permits and they're somewhere and I'm free, I'm out there. I'll come out and see computer law with them because those are my boys. <laughs> Z-A-P-P-Zap, yeah. F-A-N-S. Right. Zap right. fans. We're going to play right. for you. <laughs> and then eventually I would look up on stage and there was no Shirley. But sure enough, somewhere in the concert in the middle, out would come Shirley to make her appearance, and then you would leave, and I say, "Oh my, Shirley is on her way to fame and fortune." And a girl, I was one of your biggest fans, and I still am. Thank you. I love you, Shirley Murdoch, and your husband. Love you, your husband is as good of a man with a pure heart as I you love are. You. When the good Lord was passing out husbands that are of high quality, I believe, Shirley, you were in the front of the line. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He left the sister up, okay? You know, you know Daryl has been a music director for that for over 30 years. So I met my husband, uh, you know, uh, right here through the Tribe of Enterprises, and, and in that, but, uh, he came out, uh, I, 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 think I came out uh, to be with, uh, to, to tour with Zap in 1983. And Dale came out in 1984. He was a producer in the studio, but he came out with us, and we traveled together. We became great, great friends. And we realized that we were just two church kids in the music business. So, you know, we we it off really, really great. 32 years down the line, we've been married for 32 years. We have a wonderful son, uh, Devin, uh, who is a, he's, he's a grad, he's in grad school right now for clinical psychology, and he's 28 years old, and he's pre-COVID, he was my road manager. So, you know, we're just, we're a musical family, and we just been blessed. He blessed us all together. Not only did he bless me with a wonderful husband, but he blessed us with a wonderful son. And that wonderful son, I've never met him, but I'll put and I'll put dollars down on the table to pennies of anybody else's that that son A is not a smart aleck, B does not <laughs> talk back to his parents, C has no abuse problems that others have uh, with substances, and D 
I'll bet you he loves God up above. Am I right on any of those? You're right. You're right. You're right on so many of those. And I would say that, that Devin is the best of both me and Dale. The best of me and the best of Dale is in Devin. I'll tell you what. <laughs> better than both of us. <laughs> Shirley Murdoch, you have been blessed in so many ways, and I just love you to death. The people love you to death. Your husband and you deserve the success that you have, even though it has been uh, not the smoothest uh, ride in the world. I, I remember I was at your church, and you know they have that upstairs balcony. Mm-hmm. And the day of Roger and Larry's homecoming, home going, I was, uh, I had asked, uh, catfish, uh, Collins, uh, to attend with me and he was mm-hmm. vehemently opposed to funerals. He hated them. Uh, mm-hmm. he despised, in fact, not only that, but when he left the world, uh, they had a party. He would not permit any sadness or any mm-hmm. heartbreak. He didn't like any of that. He said, mm-hmm. when I leave this world, we are going to have what Bootsy later put together, and it was called the Catfish Nation Celebration. There you go. <laughs> and by George, they had the theater. I was the DJ, and we had all kinds of people dancing, singing the Lakeside Fantastic Voyage, and Bootsy's Get Busy Off the Hook, and all of this stuff I was playing mm-hmm. there because it was the Catfish Nation celebration. It was a homegoing for Phelps Collins, and we did it the way he wanted it. But when I went to the homegoing of Roger and his brother, I had sunglasses on. I was wearing a suit. I was by myself when I entered, and I just figured I would go upstairs to the balcony where I could mm-hmm. look down and not make too much of a, a, a of a scene. And I just lost it, Shirley. I'm sorry. I lost it. I'm, I I'm, lost it too. <laughs> I am crying my eyes out. And a, a, a couple of females, black females, came over, two of them, and walked up to my chair. And they said, sir, are you okay? Are you all right? I, yes, I am. It's just we were close. Uh, you know, I, I, we, we were close. I, I love, I love I love Roger and, and and they say, Oh, okay. Well, we understand. And I just, and then lo and behold, didn't I attend that darn concert that they gave on the riverfront in that brand new uh, bandstand that the city of Hamilton built on the great Miami river and mm-hmm. Lord almighty, it wasn't as bad as the home going session, but I'm telling you, Shirley, I got to bring my sunglasses when yeah, I attend yeah, yeah. these darn you know, zap concerts. I bet some of those tears were also tears of joy too. The fact that they that they could continue continue on with the legacy. The first time I saw them perform without Roger, I lost it too. But I also felt like Roger was there. Like a, like a, a little bit of Roger fell off on all of them because my husband plays the, the harmonica for DYD. My husband never played the, played the harmonica ever before. He picked that harmonica up and sounds just like Roger. Um, Zach, you know, Terry Troutman and Bart Thomas playing talk box. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I just always feel like he's ever present. He's ever present in my music. You know, you cannot shift him out of my music, out of my career, and I would never want to. I celebrate him and thank God for him. Um, there are times I dream about him, you know what I mean? And I, and I just be so happy to see him, and I just feel like those are just little comforts, little visits, you know, because to to, uh, to just kind of give comfort to my heart because I miss him so. And I listen to the I listen to the records, and I, I, I used to listen to the records and cry. Now I listen to the records, and I, and I just I get joy because what a gift. I would rather, I, I would say, I'd rather have loved them and lost them than have never had him at all because it has he has he and Larry and, and, and the music and all that he is all that he's brought to my life has enhanced my life in such a way that I would not be the person today had I not had I not met him I yeah I totally agree with you I just wanted to say to the people out there listening to you and I all throughout the world when we record these shows uh, ladies and gentlemen surely will not hear the intro of the show the 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 introduction that is canned that's already prepared that's going to be added 
after the fact. Do you know, Shirley, that on every one of these podcasts, starting with the first episode, there is a gentleman that plays the talk box and it says, you're listening to Rick Flynn. Do you know who that man is? I bet that's Roger. He he was so he was so generous with that, you know, with doing drops and things like that, and because he he also appreciated, you know, uh, radio personalities such as yourself. You know, would play his music. Can I can I can I tell you something about about can I talk about old school radio for a second? Honey, you got the time. Do it. <laughs> You know, we, you, you mentioned earlier how, you know, record companies didn't know what to do with me. And, um, you know, they, you know, the, the, the first couple of records they put out were like dance records off, off of my first record. I'm talking about, this is a time, I, I'm sure you remember when radio personalities like yourself would, would have a thing called make it or break it, play it or break it. You know, where pe- the people had a chance to listen to a song and decide whether or not they like it or not. And so it was the quiet storm format that really broke my record. Okay? I had marginal hits with the with the uh you know the up tempo song. But the quiet storm DJs went in there and found going without you. They found they found uh, as we lay, they found going without you. You know, you let my world came to and then they went and got those records and they played them and the people responded and the people started requesting them and it started making a lot of noise, making a lot of buzz. So much so it finally got the, the attention of the record company. And that's when the record company put out As We Lay. That's when the record company put out uh, Go On Without You. So one of the things that's missing in radio today is taking taking the power out of the hands of the radio personalities who know their audience. They're like the, they're like the preachers of the neighborhood, you know. They know their audience. They know, they know their audience. They know what they like. They know what they're going through because they call them. They talk to them. They tell them, I want to hear this. I want to hear that. Some person sitting in the office in New York does, does not have the feel for that audience like, like the radio personalities of yesterday. And so that was the thing that really helped break my records up. So the quiet storm format, those formats, those radio personalities, they need to get the power back into the hands of the people. And another thing that radio did by cutting off their own necks is they took the community, the community that that station serves out of yes. it. When Amen. I was growing up, Shirley, and you were growing up, if there was a band out of Hamilton, Ohio, and let's just say their name happened to be Roger and the Human Body, and they mm-hmm. they started to draw crowds. They had their right. own homemade album with their mm-hmm. own single on there that they decided, well, this is, this is our biggest draw. People love this one the most. We'll put this one out on a little 45, and mm-hmm. we'll sell our album album at the gigs that we play and you'd walk into the radio station or the radio station would call you and say yeah roger we're getting calls from people bring that 45 in here we're gonna play it right 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 and not only that you know what today when i first moved to dayton there's a radio station called wdl 1077 radio dayo yeah, right. And it would go. I, 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 when I would drive back to back to Toledo, I could still hear Dale uh, uh, ha- halfway there. There's Lima, Ohio. It was a halfway there with my landmark for the halfway part, halfway point of, from between Dayton and Toledo. It, it, it had great power, and, and, and it it was it was it was uh, bought out by somebody else. But Jim Johnson from 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 Dao still owns WDAO to this very day. They are still the community's radio station, and you don't see that a lot. In, in, in today's world, and and, and he's expanding now. He's getting, he's getting some FM. So I mean, I, I just I would I just, I just shout him out, Jim Johnson from WDAO for all that he's done. You know, in our community, uh, the, the, the the tagline is the rhythm of the city. So you're right. So many. Uh, cities have lost the rhythm of the city. They don't have those stations anymore. But we're really grateful and we praise God and thank God for, for Jim Johnson and WDAA right here in Dayton because we still have the rhythm of the city going strong. Nine out of ten times, walk into a radio station. If you're a local band drawing a big crowd, and hand them the 45 RPM record and say, hi, I'm such and such from this band. We're doing fabulous things around our community. And you know what they do? Uh, Sir, uh, you're going to have to send that over to L.A. They're programming us and 99 other stations out of L.A. We don't have any control over that. Now get out of here. Next, 
Now, please, <laughs> that's not go the way you run. And they wonder, Shirley, where the audience went. Right. They left the audience. Yeah. They, le they left the audience. They left the audience. Well, I'll yeah. tell you, Shirley, there's where their audience disappeared. It's not, what is that? I think it's a country to ain't nobody's fault, but mine, you know, that's <laughs> that, that should be their theme song. Cause they gave right. the audience away. Yeah. But you know, but do, do, do you know where the audience went? Uh, where? I think that, you know, because of uh, technology and the internet, you know, I think that those are the whole, the brand new audiences there that we can, we can reach more people you know, through the, through the internet. So we have to use every bit of technology, everything there is, you know, to, to get the music heard, to get the message out there. Would, would you agree? Well, I heard Sharon Osborne, Ozzy's wife, say that for right now, even she and her husband, Ozzy, are thinking that, hey, they can write the song, they can mm -hmm. produce the song, they can uh, distribute the song, she said, and we don't even need a record label anymore. That's right. So think of moves. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, an opportunity for young people who have a dream, who want to be an artist. You can use every bit of technology because you, you don't have to be dependent on a record company anymore. You can use, you can, you can, there's so many, there's so many YouTube people have been successful. I think Justin Bieber got discovered on YouTube by, uh, by, um, um, Usher. Am I right? Yeah, so, I mean, so there's all, there's all kinds of ways that, that you can be heard. Just be diligent about getting music, making the best that you can, and, 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 and just put it out there. Put it out. Don't, don't be fearful. Put it out. And somebody's going to hear it. You know, and just, I just say, just go for it. Just go for it. Can I share something else with you, too, that, that my husband and I are, are very much a part of that we're very, very proud of? Do it. We're, we're part of a wonderful ministry called Praying for You. And it is a church without walls. <laughs> it, it started maybe about, I think like about 13 years ago with just a, a just having prayer with a few of us coming together every Wednesday at, from noon to one Eastern Standard Time with a free conference call line. And people would call in from all over the country and we would pray with them. And we would, ha we would have an after event called the Overflow. So it, just in case, you know, we weren't just praying for people at, at, right at one o'clock, we still the line just to make sure that all the prayer requests are heard and, and honored. And so I'm, it's grown and it's praying for you, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G dot O-R, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G, the number four dot O-R-G. And that's our website and that's also our Facebook page. If you check that out, we've got many offerings where we're just encouraging people. He's the, he's the senior pastor, I'm the co-pastor. And so that, that's another area where we try to reach people through the music and through the word and try to inspire and encourage people. So that's something that we're really, really proud to, to be a part of. So if you would uh, make a note of that, we appreciate that. You can also find me on Facebook, I have a fan page. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Shirley Murdoch. On Instagram, I'm at Shirley Murdoch, the number four real, R-E-A-L. So we're very reachable. We're very touchable. My website is ShirleyMurdochLifeSongs.com. Life songs, because that's what I sing. I sing songs about life, things about love, songs, of, things of, songs about inspiration, songs about God, songs about family, songs about, you know, uh, just things that are going on in everyday life. Because I think music is so powerful that it's good to be able to go, go to music and find something that's hitting you uh, right on your street, right where you live. So that's what we're about singing life songs, singing great music, love songs, funk songs, dance songs. So for me, life song is not exclusive, but inclusive to anyone who wants to sing something or, or, or do music that's, that's going to benefit and uplift people, uplift hearts, uplift spirits, turn a, a frown upside down to a smile. Now, is that prayer number, the phone number, is that for anybody that wants to call that would like to like make a prayer request or have anybody, something anybody we also have a radio station we got people off all, all over the country we have listeners in, in japan people in uh china all different places uh i can give you that number that number is 605-475-4000 the pin code is 101176 but go to our website org, and you can see the times that we're that we're having these things but on wednesdays at noon between noon and 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you call that number. You don't have to identify yourself. God knows who you are. If you have a praise report, you want to talk about how good God's been and what he's done for you, you can give a praise report. If you need prayer, you can say, this is so-and-so. If, if, if you don't want to identify yourself, it's not necessary. We're going to agree with you and touch the degree and believe God because we believe that God not only hears prayer, but he answers prayer. So we're going to we're gonna, uh, just 
your joy in our faith with your faith, and we're going to lift that prayer up to God and trust each other answer. Before we get out of here, Shirley, I want you to talk to that abused woman, build her up, and then when you're done, we're going to say goodbye. Give okay. some strength to the women out there that don't feel that there's any way to go but down. Lift them up. I want you sisters to know that the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He also says, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have towards you. Thoughts and plans of peace and not evil, but to give you an expected end. That means to give you hope and to give you a future. He made you on purpose, with purpose. You are valuable. You cannot let your happiness and your joy come from somebody validating you. If you give them the power to validate you, you give them the power to cancel you. And baby girl, that's too much power. You have to understand because you are God's daughter, because he loves you, you are valuable. And you have to, you, you can't love nobody till you learn how to love yourself. So spend some time getting to know you, getting to, getting to know all the beautiful things about yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I am God's daughter. I matter. And when you begin to build up your self-esteem, talk to yourself. Think about the things that, that you want in life. Begin to declare those things. Put those things in the atmosphere and say, I am beautiful. I am healed. I am delivered. I am set free. I am strong. And, and understand that the Bible says that, that when we are weak, that that God's that God's strength is made his his strength is made perfect in our weakness. His strength comes through when we are weak. He hears you. He's not mad at you. You don't have to fix yourself to, to come to him, to pray to him. You just come just as you are. You say, Lord, I need you. Help me. He hears you. And and then and once you get once you get strengthened, you go strengthen somebody else, baby. There's a song that I have called I Love Me Better Than That Than to Lay Here and Cry or to Stay Here and Die. It's time to get your life back. Take back your strength. Take back your joy. Because guess what? Your daughters are watching you. If you stay in that perpetual uh, abusive situations, you're teaching her that that's what love looks like. Love does not send you to the hospital. Love does not get, uh, cause you to need stitches. If you're if you're not in a safe place, there are numbers. You can go online and find the uh, the, the numbers for abuse and, and, and it, right there's local in your city and get some help. You want to save yourself so that you can save your children. You can save your daughters and your sons. You are, you, you are not meant to be a punching bag. You are not meant to be verbally abuse, abused. See, until you understand your value, then you will let somebody else uh, impugn their opinion and uh, 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 put their opinion of their value on you. And, and I want to say to you, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit. You are beautiful. You are God's daughter. You are worthy and you're worth it. I'm going to tell you something, Shirley. Do you have any doubt in your mind that if I said to you, let's just go for three or four hours that we couldn't <laughs> feel it, that we couldn't fill the time? Do you have any <laughs> doubt? Is there any doubt in your or your husband's mind? No. Oh, Shirley Murdoch, at this time, I'm just going to have you say goodbye, Shirley. Goodbye, Shirley. Oh, the audience loves you, Shirley. Thank you. And I love them back. And I love you, Rick. And it was so wonderful to reconnect with you. And we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Everybody, it's been fun, but I've got to run. Thank you to the beautiful Shirley Murdoch. Thank you to her husband, Dale. They're fabulous people. They're great show business personalities with morals and decency about them that care about their fans. I love them both. I love all of you people out there who have made this podcast rising every day. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.